Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today we are joined by one of my friends around the globe who I've not had the pleasure to yet meet, but she's kind of amazing and all sorts of shades of awesome. She's the one and only string, or as I like to know her, Susie Nguyen, if you actually don't know who she is, but she is most commonly known online as the fried chicken girl or string herself because she's kind of awesome. Yep. Uh, over the I years, love that. Go, that you, yeah, you actually built that brand, which is hilarious to me because that's when I met you, was when string and chicken wings were your thing, which also makes me laugh because I should have sent you a photo of my chicken yeah. wings from the other night because I had barbecue chicken wings. Like I made a barbecue full of chicken wings over the weekend. Should have totally tagged you in that. Um, I'm kind of jealous. As you should be. It's amazing. But you're in Australia. You can literally go outside and barbecue. Like it's it's a deli- It's like a straight up yeah. thing. Like every Aussie has a barbecue. It's a, it's, a straight- <laughs> it's true, but it's also like I haven't fried a fried chicken for the last four or five years. You haven't, or you have. I haven't. Wait, because how- everyone cooks it for me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Everyone does. Like, everyone just sends you fried chicken. That's basically the way to your heart. And there's nothing wrong with that because I'm, I'm a massive proponent of fried chicken or any kind of chicken in most cases. But real quick shout out to our... So this episode, what we're really going to be... It's going to be a little bit different because I actually want to pick your brain a little bit on what you've been up to, i.e. LinkedIn and everything else that you are um, basically so associated with because you're awesome in multiple ways and i don't know why it's saying my internet connection is being weird oh. apparently is but we're good we're yeah good. i'm wondering if it's my internet connection huh no it could be mine give me one I'll second guys we'll just, you, just make it easier i'm just gonna ah that might be easier fine we'll do it that way it's gonna be a videoless interview where i look at myself but anyway so without yes. kind of ju- diving into it a bit too much uh this uh, well we are going to dive into it quite a bit Susie, basically, I remember you transitioned to LinkedIn in a big way as an early adopter of LinkedIn, meaning in the sense of like before LinkedIn had its rebrand where everyone's jumping on board on, um, which is one of the biggest social media platforms of 2020, 2030, by the way. Um, you were on that for like 2016, 2015, 2016, I remember correctly, uh, or 2017. Less than that, three years. Three yeah, years. 2017. Yeah, and yes. like you've gone on to build like an insane following. So just as a quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode, this show is sponsored by your company, which is, of course, the trustedvoice.co. Go there and check it out. Um, Susie's got a crap load of like resources and stuff that you guys really want to look through. And, of course, which, oh, this episode is sponsored by uh, adelmarcy.com. You guys can find previous episodes online. That being said, my first question to you really is going to come out straight out of the gate, which is why LinkedIn of all things? Because back then in 2017, it was pretty much an arms race between Facebook that was kind of slightly dying at the time, but was still making great progress. LinkedIn, which is reemerging, um, Snapchat, Instagram, and YouTube. Why did you focus on LinkedIn more than anything else? Well, like, because there's a lot of, like, crap copy and content creators on LinkedIn, and there's so many experts there and so many people with money there. So it's a professional platform and a business platform, right? And the way I see it as is, like, it's more than just a resume platform. It's a black book of people who are, like, there to create business. And I stood out really quickly because I realised that, I had a really good marketing skill set and a storytelling skill set and a content creating skill set. So anything business related or um, content that really hits the heart and talk about personal development, I realized I stood out. 
So I had to like jump on and leverage that attention before others leverage that attention. And um, here's a quick stat. Like even there's only um, like, even though there are 650 million professionals on LinkedIn, less than 1%, maybe even less uh, than 1% of these professionals create weekly content. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Cause I suck at doing that. But my question is like, what type of content are people looking for on LinkedIn? Cause on Facebook, there's a certain type of content that gets found. And one of the more common questions is what the hell do I say on LinkedIn? Well, like a um, personal development one does really well. Like anything that f- I feel like the formula for LinkedIn is like written posts because people still read a lot and yeah. then videos um, do really well because it showcases your credibility and your personality. But the ones that do really well is like the one that uh, like, even though they talk about their stories, it feels like their story when they read it and they could resonate with that story. So any personal development stories do super well. Hmm. That is very, very interesting because like that would make things a lot simpler for people like me because whenever we, whenever I look at like uh, content, my brain literally goes to, oh shit, what do I do? How do I, how do I put content out? What do I say? How do I say it? Just my brain goes all over the place. Yes. But like, you know, your posts, your Facebook ones. Yeah. Do really well on LinkedIn because those are the stories that people crave because they want to know how to start. They want to be inspired so they could start. Like technically they hate their jobs on LinkedIn. Like whatever jobs they have right now, majority of 99% of the world hates their job. Or don't like what they're doing. And they're looking for like inspirations on how to, pardon? They're looking for basically something else that they could be good at. Yes, pretty much. And your writing pretty much would do really well. The only thing that you need to do is just get enough engagement so that has that network viral effect that people look for on LinkedIn because they want to make sure that they're getting the reach, right? And when you have reach, then you have more opportunities for conversions and find clients and gain audiences. Agreed. Agreed. That's actually very, 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 very true. Um, it's actually quite interesting because I'm actually putting one of my posts as we speak right now um, on LinkedIn from Facebook, which is the one that I was just bitching about before, like we went live. Yes. And, you know, just drop the link to me and I'll comment onto it. So I bring more eyeballs onto your post. Oh, thank you. Should I just tag no you? Should I tag you in the comment section? Yeah, I pretty much do that. Yeah, <laughs> People do all the time. And I guess like that's a good technique to do when you're starting out is just tag relevant people. Don't do mass tagging. Tag and it's like, what do you think of this post stream or something like that? So it makes it look like I'm trying to have, you want to have conversations with me. People just like tag and don't give any context. Yeah, I'm trying to find you on LinkedIn. It's really annoying because like on LinkedIn, my, if I don't, if I type in Susie or Suzanne, it's really, really weird. Yeah, it's probably because like on LinkedIn, it's, I'm known as string. Ah, that's why. Perfect. Yes. I was yeah. going to say and that I makes did... me happy. There we go. Yeah, and... And no, like, I feel like um, a lot of people don't realize it's like I, the day that I went viral on LinkedIn the first time is the day that I switched and updated my LinkedIn profile because I knew I'd go get a lot of eyeballs. Um, and I switched to string because like, who know, there's only one string in the world. Like there's a lot of Suzanne who wins in the world, but there's only one string. But even then, like pe- my friends and a lot of people in the marketing world and online world have been calling me string for ages. So I knew that's the name that I had to like, push and position myself 
So like ideally, you're like pretty much known me pre-string days. <laughs> you know pretty me as like, yeah. So that kind of shows you the story and the history of my relationship with people. If they call me string, they know me as like the LinkedIn days. Yeah. And it's one of the craziest things because I do know you as string and also more importantly, I know you as Susie. Um, yes. But it, it's funny because I, I was legit thinking, I was like, is string like going to be the name that she uses on LinkedIn? And it is. And something I do want to touch upon is LinkedIn profile specifically because there, there is a, almost like a science of what goes on a profile that helps you convert. Yes. Now, obviously, I've not sat down over this weekend to do my profile like I was meant to. I got sidetracked with a little bit of copy work. But it, it is a priority for me for the week that we're actually recording this to get that sorted because your profile makes or breaks you because people read your profile and immediately make a snap judgment on you. The question is, but, how does someone actually make a great profile? Sorry, you're going to jump in and say something else there. Well, cover that. Yeah. Like, and I have to say, uh, cause like people treat, still treat it like a CV, but for experts, like that once you create a massive following or massive reach, you have to position yourself as like, Oh, um, to treat it like a channel or a top of the funnel, a pipeline for a funnel and what do I mean by a funnel it's like I guess I use like a really simple analogy of like going to a hotel we know why we're going to a hotel it's either to rent a, a place like or stay at that place or eat restaurants right so you mm-hmm. go through it and like um, you know that you're in a branded hotel and the first thing that you do is talk to the uh, the customer service and the first question is like how can I help you it's pretty much that like they push you to a door if you want to go to a restaurant and say, or they push you to the elevator or um, encouraging to go to the elevator if you want to go and rent a room. So, so people don't realize that that's part of the like, branding funnels is like, what door do you want them to open? Like you can't wear too many hats because I've noticed a lot of people do this thing when like, I'm a CEO of this unknown brand. I'm a speaker. Um, I'm a podcaster. I'm a content creator. Like you're not, all you're doing is job labels, but not positioning yourself or like showcasing your value prop to attract your audience or your customers. Exactly. Like, and I've been guilty of that, by the way. But it depends. <laughs> what I say is it depends on um, medium. Because on Facebook, you have that section that's just above your bio. You can put something in there to sell, but it depends where you're at in your career if you have something to sell. Like for mine, it just basically yes, straight gives true. you, mine gives you like who I am in the sense of, the $700 million copywriter, website one, website two, podcaster, persuader. That's all you need to know in my bio because then the content is right next to it so you can see what I'm doing. Whereas with LinkedIn, yes. people don't have that. Or they don't have that availability. They search your name and they just see like a string, funnily enough, um, odd choice of words. They see like a string of like different positions that you put yourself in and none of them actually give you any credibility to, for them to actually speak to you. So and I think I'm, that's probably because like the way that LinkedIn and the difference between Facebook and LinkedIn is that you have to engage. So people, if they don't know you, how did they know you exist? So you have to make sure that you're on top of mind and you're everywhere, meaning that you have to comment quite a lot, comment in relevant key influences. Um, so then people like look at your, your, your headliner and say, oh, is this what this person do? They provide websites or 700 million copy of conversions and stuff. So you have to like showcase your like value prop really, really quickly to gain and get people to click onto your profile visit uh, prof- and visit your profile and then check out what you do and then get 
and then in, like if they like what you're doing they probably want to know your website and check out your social presence as well yeah that's actually pretty awesome so i'm going to ask you live on air because i want everyone to kind of have like an example of this um how would you actually so if you were to go ahead and recreate say my profile as a headline how would you create my profile as a headline Oh, well, let's say, look, I'm going to like open your like thing. Yeah, that works. We did go through it the other day. It's more or less, I want yeah. to give like everyone else more of an idea of how you do it, like kind of like. Yes. Well, like my one is like your trusted guide to LinkedIn marketing and personal branding slash three times top voice on mm. LinkedIn and then zero of thing. And it kind of shows you my credibility. Um, so you have to like the first like, uh, 10 characters you have to like know what to think about so at the moment adele you're like ceo at copywriting nerd ltd but i think you should switch it around to 700 million in sales and sales copy and counting because they'd probably want to know what like sales like you're offering but it's sales copy and counting see how like i just your value prop really yeah massively um i was actually initially going to go like right now while we were talking i was just like um I don't know, 700 million in sales and counting. Da, da, and da. sales copy specifically because that's what you do, sales copy. Yeah. Um, from sales copy. But I was going to say, uh, the other thing I had was making clients money with their story would be another value prop that I put in. Yeah, but I guess like you could do another value prop and you could do a bit of an A-B testing. But I really like, at the moment, people... Uh, it's intangible when it comes to storytelling, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that you can actually prove it, but it takes time. Yes. And there's a lot of education required for that, but like 700 million in sales copy, you could start, that's when you like get them curious, hook them in and then start introducing like the idea of like storytelling and how they could like use that as part of their copywriting. Yeah. It's a huge so, headliners should be a hook so they've like feel like they want to click on and know you and then your profile your summary is where you start introducing your concept and who you are mm-hmm. and that then encourage cool. them encourage them to also consider like if uh how to connect with you like call to actions because a lot of people don't have a strong call to action either writing mm-hmm. active tone people and writing like grade five language people why do I say that? It's because like people skim read on social. Mm-hmm. They really do. And I'm one of those people that's a firm believer that you should, whenever you write, try and write as if you're writing, writing to like 10 year olds because it's <laughs> oh, the that's... most it's yes, a, you're right. it's a variety of, a variety of people's education. So it doesn't overcomplicate conversation. I mean, someone that breaks this rule is Jay Abraham. Because Jay, whenever he writes, he writes at a very high level of intellectual thought when he's writing, like when someone else is writing for him, when he's writing himself, very similar, but he also is quite simple. Uh, The problem that we have is our society kind of forgets that simplicity wins, like the simpler the language, the easier it is to um, get people to do things. and, And you also have to make sure it's readable. And yeah. people are on their mobile all the time. So you have to make sure that people don't like chunky text. Like they're not reading an article, they're reading social posts. 
So you have to have made it super readable. And there's a science to this because like I, um, when I teach and educate my like clients and when I'm doing coaching, I have to ram into them and like, don't put and, like read it out loud if you have to, but make it short and sharp and write in active tone because I notice they write in very passive tone too sometimes or most of the time and chunky text. They're writing paragraphs. Hmm. Yeah, they are. They're, dry, they're, they're sort of literally writing huge chunky pieces. Yeah, and I've done that before, but I realized like when I started like optimizing for profile writing or profiles, copywriting on LinkedIn, people want to skim read. Yeah, they really do. People don't like over reading, and this is something that's a po- that's a point that people really needs need to understand, um, and that is when you actually write emails or even any kind of copy that comes up. Writing in more than one sentence paragraphs actually kills off your message. And it's something that like when I was going through your transcription that you sent me, um, one of the points I actually made was like, you have to know exactly where to drop a paragraph point because sometimes three Mm -hmm. words in a sentence. So for instance, you can have a paragraph that is three sentences long and one of the sentences is only three words. So it could be copywriting just works or LinkedIn just works. Let's be honest. Let's just say that's what it is. LinkedIn just works with your three words. Whatever comes before it, LinkedIn just works now gets lost in the crowd of that, of that paragraph. Whereas if you split the first one into a single paragraph, um, LinkedIn just works as a secondary three sentence, a three letter, a three word paragraph. And then another paragraph underneath it that continues the point that now has far more effectiveness and this is something I tell people all the time when they're writing copy. It, sometimes it's not what's written. Sometimes it's how it's delivered that matters. So if you can actually write it, superb. But sometimes you might have to like space it out a little bit so it reads better. Yeah, um, so I'm looking at your like current post right now. So pro tip if you're selling anything. So yeah. what I usually say is like the first line is that like your title. It's like your sentence, your polarizing title center headliner so you have to like all so it's just the way it is like people um want to know what they're opting to so you're almost like you have to make it a punchy headline sentence and then the second one because it emphasizes what people need to read agreed it has to be a bigger more of a drawing in i think i just copied and pasted it straight off my facebook to be fair I didn't even know. But that's okay. I'm just letting you know how to optimize. Like this is pretty much like how to optimize your copy to suit LinkedIn. And also like, you know, one of the like, funniest like quarter actions or um, engagement, like, people write disagree, agree, uh, instead of like, what do you think? And drop your comments below. But agree and disagree seems to be, with the question mark at the end, seems to be like triggers people to um, drop a comment saying agree or get engagement. So it's yeah. pretty amazing, actually. Definitely. And I'd want to actually go through the structure of how you create specific LinkedIn posts, because again, we've got the headline, you've got a bit of a story that's there and you've got the close. Now, specifically in that section in the middle, what type of uh, content should you be actually talking about if it's pertaining to your, um, to your, oh my God, what's the word? Specialty. I think um, 
The ones that like, I feel like it's almost like making use of like line space, line space, line space, or writing dot forms as well works really well. So I say like line space, line space, like people call it broetry or poetry. So you have almost <laughs> like writing that kind of like structure. I've people never really... heard the word broetry. <laughs> yeah. It's actually what um, a couple of years ago when I first came around, I did write like a bro. <laughs> But like, but it was like the ones that's like I made this much and I failed this much, but I overcame it, and I've been able to su- succeed. You know, like you can do it too. It's like very like you know, see how that um, that kind of storytelling works because it's offering the problem, and it feels like oh, I could resonate with this problem because I go through that problem, and you go through the drama of that problem, and then you overcame that problem. And then, like, you have, like, a really strong, it's like, you know, like, did that happen to you too? Like, how did you overcome it? And people, like, um, drop into comments and say, oh, my God, you inspire me. It's really interesting um, how psychology works in terms of engaging with people's triggering their emotions, really. And that's how, like, I guess these viral posts work because it's not about, like, hard sales, but mainstream audience seems to love inspirational stories. Agree, you really do, especially with entrepreneurs. We're kind of hardwired to read self development and stuff that inspires us to keep going. Yes. Um, so, just talking about structure, like if you, what I realize is like short sentence structure works better. So, instead of like it, it can work if you format your copy correctly. So, it's like, you know, um, know follow this format for your copy so then it will like be structured prop correctly so like even just like rewording it and just make it short and punchier I, I feel like people would like resonate with more so then it's all about short sentences and making sure like it's super readable as well remember like is it suited for um a 10 year old or grade five person to read and skim through because you want them to consume your content and understand the key message that you convey in that one post agreed agreed that is very very true and powerful now when you're doing like okay so let's kind of let's skip off for one second with connections because this is a place that i do know a lot of people have issues and questions about and we are going to cover photographs as well because like photos are a big issue as well i suck at doing those for my linkedin and you helped me with that which is great so when it comes down to um Let's start with photos because they're the easiest one to go with. So photos in particular, what is it that you have to showcase? Because like um, you, you put it really well when we did our call the other day. Um, and just paraphrasing from where I remember, it's a case that you want to have like almost a close-up of, your he- of like of a headshot that isn't too blurry. So like head and shoulders and above is perfect. Um, but a Do- lot of people don't have that. Yeah, a lot of times, like, you need just, like, a really clean shot of your head. Yeah. Not even your shoulder sometimes. <laughs> and I say, I say clean shot of your head. And um, if you have a blue background, don't do black and white because you just get lost yeah. in the sea of, like, headshots. Um, and when people see, like, you know, so having distinct color will help pop it out. And a lot of times, a lot of people have, like, very neutral photos so even having a blue background or something like um pops out wouldn't make you stand out but make sure that it's a headshot not like a far distance of you in your speaking gigs or something like that it's just like a very clear shot of your head Mm. of your face 
That makes sense. Okay. So with that, it would be this. So why would you avoid black and white besides being getting besides getting lost? Is it just because it is just the fact that everyone gets lost on the black and white and so many people use it? Or is it yes. simply because it kind of doesn't stand out anymore? And it doesn't stand out anymore. So if you look at like a sea of comments, right? You want people to like be drawn to your photo. Yeah. Because it acts like a bullet point. It's like it draws people to see what you're saying. That makes sense. That does make sense. Okay, so my next question really is down to connections because I have nowhere near as much connections on LinkedIn as I do with other social platforms. How do you actually go about building them? Because this is a big issue for a lot of people like me. They're like, oh, I don't know who to connect with and why. Or do you just go on a connecting spree with people that you know? Um, so there's a few approaches that you could do. It's like your, uh, your email list. You should start like pushing people to connect with you. Even just like start like pushing signatures and let people connect with you. Um, but like there's a few ways of doing it. Like I became a content channel and I push out content once or twice a day on my early days and I probably shouldn't do that again and became a channel. So then people just came to me because I wanted to consume content about marketing. And so like what I did every time I did a post was like I encouraged them to follow me. And that's how I was able to get like 30 thousand followers in 14 months i'm about 38 now so i dropped down a lot but um like there's a difference between followers and first connections like the most easy way to do it is like actually just connecting with people that's relevant in your market agreed so if, you, if you're like ceo of like people who are knowledge base like um or selling courses so those are the type of people that you want to target Right. You could do that. Like you could literally type in um, job title in industry in location to connect with these people. But, mm. you know, it depends as well. Like um, they want to know if you're credible and you're not reaching out because you don't know them. Um, Cause like the common thing that a lot of people do on LinkedIn and which gets the bad reputation is that when you connect with them, the first thing you do, which is a big no, no is to pitch them and sell them something. Yeah. A lot of people do that. And the first, actually, that's a question I'm going to ask you. How should a first message go about? Like how should the first couple of messages come about? Oh my, like if you know them and you're already familiar, it's like, let's connect here. Uh, short and short. Or if you like met them for the first time at a conference, say it's like we met at conference, keep it short and sharp. But if they're cold, they don't know you, um, just say like, and, but, it just depends on what it is. It's like, uh, it looks like we're both in the same industry. We'll love to connect. Just keep it short and sharp. That's pretty cool. See, the one I use is the one I use for Facebook. And that one's worked pretty well for me and uh, for everyone that's at home listening. One of the ones I use is, um, uh, it's like, hey, thanks for connecting. Um, checked your profile out. Thought you were super interesting, which I usually do. Uh, how are you? Let's get talking. Or something like that. I was like, how are you today? Hope you're having a great day. Something simple yeah. like that. And I always get a response. Well, and then like the next three messages, like tell me about what you do a little bit more. And then you just get into a great conversation. And I think that's probably the best approach because it's all about relationships these days. And I, one of the biggest things that I noticed, like when I did inbound is that I don't worry about like doing reach outs. Mm -hmm. um, but when I do my reach outs, it's like, hey, like I just like really resonated with your post about topic 
love to like um, see more of your posts. And the other one is like, uh, I noticed we're both in the same industry. Like, um, can we exchange value together? Uh, and if they call back and prompt back and respond back, then that's great. Like that's when you have conversations going and stuff. Those are some of the best ones to actually have specifically with like making sure that you have that back and forth. Now there is like, there are a couple of people that like, um, would wonder this myself being one of them. And that is around the idea of, um, when you're actually connecting with people on LI, how do you move them from LI to say your opt-in list without coming up like a, with a pitch? Because there are a multitude of ways to do it. But I'm just curious what the one you would suggest would be. Well, um, the best one I would do is like, um, like on LinkedIn, they changed it so you could have clickable buttons or cl clickable links on your profile. So you probably should just like have a le big lead funnel in your first one. Mm. So for example, like you could add links and I probably should show you how to do it. So then you could push people to opt into things as well. And so you can encourage them to do that. That's and, pretty awesome. Um, and also like just keep on promoting it. Like the last article is a good one for you to like have, treat like a landing page or like a lead funnel or lead magnet as well. Um, a lot of people don't do those inside their profiles, I notice. Um, the other way to do it is like if they, you talk about copywriting and they want to know stuff, just like drop that link, you know, treat it like um, save it as a snippet and it's like, hey, like I just like your opinion about something. Like um, are you planning to to improve your copywriting? Like I love to like share something of value to you. That's pretty cool. One of the ways that my buddy Chris Taylor, he's uh, he's got a very interesting way of doing it for Instagram, and I was kind of going to be using some of that methodology. Do you mind if I run it by you? Go for it. Cool. So one of the things I'd actually say is like kind of a, a like not so much that sorry with the messaging, kind of taking a step back. I've only just remembered this, and I really wanted your opinion on this, and it's it works in conjunction with this. It's um, so like hey string um. Great to connect with you. Um, really want to see how you're doing, blah, 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 usual conversation. Go back and forth a couple of messages, and then I want to go with this. And it would be something along the lines of, uh, especially when they ask, what do you do? Or like, tell me more about yourself. Say, like, oh, it's great to hear. Thanks so much. Uh, people tend to connect with me for one of three reasons. Reason one is they want to basically understand how they can write their own copy better. Reason number two is they actually want to hire me. Or reason number three they just want to connect and see how we can get along and they like my content. Um, do any of these sound familiar? And if there was one that you could pick, which one would it be? And oh, yeah, that works really well. Yeah. So it's kind of like a case of like whatever they respond with, cause you're giving them three options, whatever the one they respond with, that's the one I can get them with. So reason one is they want to find out more about my course and training, new lead. They want to hire me to write for them. Great. We set up a call. They want to basically find out more about me, send them to the podcast. Um, which again makes them a fan out of me. Yeah, like it's like that Avon approach. Like uh, even um, it's like going to a door knocking thing and you sell you the lipstick. Do you want a red or pink lipstick? And red and pink is like both super popular. Yeah. So there's no wrong answer. So it's just like like I rather buy red, you get a sale. No, I want pink. You still get a sale. So. Doing like a A or B like that where both options are the best is great. But I love the like number C is like how about we just get along um, and see if my content resonates with you and stuff is like really good one. 
Yeah, well, it's like a really, really, really easy way of getting people to say yes, which is always fun. I love things like that. Well, what I know, that would be a good approach if people don't know you and they land on your homepage as well, personal yeah. one. It's like, and then if you, it's almost like a um, a quiz kind of experience. Exactly, and that is something that we both love because it's just quite nice to go through that way, and it helps build out a lot of stories. Chase is being, well, Chase, you might hear him yell in the background any moment now um, because he does that. So one of my questions I really wanted to ask you um, that really comes down to how you can actually get started with um, not just LinkedIn, but like your personal brand. Like that, that's something a lot of people have a problem with. They don't know who they are. They don't know how to put themselves forward. They don't know any of that stuff. What would you say would be kind of like the mini string masterclass of questions and things that you need to answer in order to know your brand and know exactly what you stand for and represent? And while you're recording this, I'm going to pause myself and grab my uh, charger because it's downstairs. So All right. the show is yours. Oh, so can I answer it? Can I answer it? Cool, because I'm super excited to share my seven Bs. What, what did you say? Sorry, I just missed it. Can you? Um, can I answer this? Yeah, of course you can. No, by all means, I want you to answer this. I'll be back in literally a minute. I'm just muting myself. Okay, okay. So I would love to share with you my seven Bs of personal influence. And this will give you the strategy needed for you to build out your personal brand. Um, first is your vision. Like the first B is vision. So what is your North Star? What makes you wake up every day? And how can you, you know, do you walk this vision every day? Your values is what is your unique selling point? What makes you different from everyone else? And to be more authentic, what are your personal values? Your personal values acts as your moral compass and gives you the decision that you need to make about you as a person and you as a business. Are you pretty much walking these values every day? Because like that shows the strength of your character. Vogue is as in German for folks. Um, is like a like pretty much is a German word for people. Who are these folks that you are serving? Like be specific. Not everyone is your market. How do you show value to these folks? Voice, which is your fourth B. What are your key messages that you want to convey that also conveys your expertise and authority? B, what marketing channels are you using to amplify these messages? Are you using LinkedIn because you want to like reach out to other businesses? I'm using YouTube because you like videos. What is your like um, preferred marketing channels to amplify these messages? Visuals. You, even your face is your brand because like that's what people remember you by. Like your face needs to be memorable, but also how do you stand out from the crowd and make yourself memorable? So I use like fried chicken as a way to trigger people. Like yep. they might forget it about me the next day, but when they see fried chicken, they will think of me. Yep. Validation. What are your key metrics of success that makes you be a authentic, be sure that you're growing and you're succeeding. And finally, victory. How do you monetize your influence and knowledge? Like treat yourself like a business. Be, um, I mean, like what service and products are you providing for your folks? So as long as you have vision, values, vogue, voices, visuals, validation and victory, that's when you know, like you're ready, like to pretty much brand yourself. But if you're starting out, just think about like what are the blocks that you need to do like work on and build out the others over time. Makes sense. 
That makes a lot of sense. Now, one of the things I did want to ask, say you're someone that doesn't feel like they have anything that stands out, like anything like it's a personal brand that stands out. Um, how would you go about it? Because for me, I have like multiple things that we've, as we've discussed, but one of the things that I like to play with depending on the medium is my cats. So if it's my podcast or a video, I always bring up my cats mainly because they bring that's themselves like up. Pretty much like, that. yeah. And I think I'm like, that's like part of your branding, right? Your cat is like your part of your brand and you always bring your cats around. So yeah, if I know, like, I guess like he, and you're really passionate about your cats. I guess like, again, like it goes back to your passion. Like how do you make sure that your passion aligns with your values, vision and everything that you believe in? Because if you don't have that passion, it's really hard to make work every day. Exactly. Really can be. So, because <clears throat> I missed quite a bit of that and I actually came back in just around the right time. Um, Something like, so, okay, so you find what you're passionate about, but what about your face? Like, say, for instance, with your branding, because you were known as fried chicken girl and still are for a lot, but to a lot of people. How is it that, A, you actually create something that is synonymous with you, and B, how do you transition to a different medium with that same persona? Or if you're no longer that same persona, how do you transition out? It's like, um, like Inception. Have you watched Inception? I love Inception. And do you know how, like, they plant memories? Yep. That's exactly what branding is. It's like you have to keep on planting that seed. And if you need to replant and redo a, another brand, you have to keep planting that seed again. And it grows over time because it's compound, right? It's like a tree. Like, you need to cultivate it and you need to make sure and keep on reintroducing it. So fried chicken was like something that I'd kept on seeing people kept on like talking to me about. So I just like doubled down on fried chicken. But if I want to like go vegan, that means like I have to like do something dramatic to kill it. Yeah. Also like how, um, uh, is it Miley? He, she was like a very clean girl and then she went dramatic um, by killing that brand, right? So you have to like sometimes do those dramatic moments to kill a brand. So people are like, oh wow, you did that moment to to rebrand yourself. Agreed. I mean that that is actually quite powerful. And something I'd want to talk about is exactly how to strategically kill a brand to let the other one live. Um, one of the ways that we do this with copy specifically. Uh, for sales pieces for clients is we look at what they're best known for and how what their audience really needs. So for instance, if you're uh, give me a random market whatsoever, I don't care what it is, but just like any old random market. Um, health tech. What was that? Health tech. Okay. You had to go for the techie stuff. Thank you. <laughs> but let's just say that you're a health tech person like Pavlock, perfect example. They're a productive Thing. They, they basically zap you basically um so you have yeah. something like pavlock and you want to transition out to like another health piece that is all about mindset and meditation right you have the shocky thing but how do you have the mindset and meditation thing the transition out for me at least is that especially if like the pavlock was like we're up and coming we're, we're up and coming we're brash we're whatever that's not the how, how they are but let's just say that's how they were mm -hmm. and then um they wanted to move into zen quiet media space how do you like how I would personally orchestrate that would be along the lines of them acknowledge their past, but then show what it was that was the transition to get them to the peace. 
That makes oh, sense. that's what I do with like my clients as well. Cause like they forget to reintroduce themselves as, cause they have that old um, lingering brand store because like yeah. they, even though they moved on, they have to learn how to reintroduce themselves every time. Agreed. And one of the best places I actually find this for kids that grew up in the nineties, uh, watch Power Rangers. Because, <laughs> because I shit you not, Tommy was the Green Ranger and we all loved him as the Green Ranger. And then he just dropped White Ranger on us. And I was like, oh my God, White Power Ranger? What the fuck is this? And he's still our favorite. Yeah, so people still, because he shows the character that it's like he's still very trustworthy, right? But imagine like being a untrustworthy brand because he kept on jumping around to being something different all the time. Even though he's like green, his character is still the same. So he um, maintained his character and integrity while it was white. Exactly. There's that, but then there's also evolution of characters. Um, I can't remember what show, like it was the show, they were doing a breakdown of How I Met Your Mother, the show. Mm-hmm. And that is a perfect example of like how you have to keep with the changing times and you can't just force your character ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole nother story entirely on like development of, of persona. Someone that does a really good job of this is Chris McCombs. We did a really good interview in January, but he released a really good blog post. Uh, I think it's called manipulation or something like that, where he just goes into like how little things are basically done in a way to actually change your perception of reality. And I think I want to read this post now. Oh, it is excellent. I'll send it to you um, real soon. Uh, it's called psychological manipulation. So psychological hyphen manipulation. So chrismacombs.net forward slash psychological dash manipulation. I recommend you all read that. It is one hell of a good read. I've bookmarked it because I love reading chris's stuff and he goes into a lot of depth by the way like it is uh this thing will easily take you a couple of hours not hours sorry it'll take you about a good 20 minutes worth of reading but like a couple of hours for you to implement and understand what's going on it's a very 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 interesting way of looking at it um have you like read wait but why what was that wait but why no I, I have to send you the links, but it's pretty much like he writes 30,000 blog posts, 30,000 worded blog posts, which is like pretty much a novel, right? Wow. And he goes pretty much like, but it, because it's so in depth and so deep and he draws really shitty comics things into it that, but explains really well the concepts that you can't help but appreciate his writing style and his depth. Yeah, it's something that I actually really... Oh, by the way, that's a side note for people. Um, long form works really well unless you branded yourself as a short form type of person like Seth Godin. Like Seth yeah, but that's... Yeah, he points. is. But Seth Godin is known for short form, but he writes so well yeah. as a short form person. He, he gets his point across in the shortest space of words, whereas with other people it take longer. And in fact, a study done by Neil Patel um, actually shows that the average blog post that does well should be around uh, 1,600 to 3,800 words. Um, Just incredible what happens, which is quite interesting. Um, But yeah, I'm looking through this. I'm actually just bookmarked this guy's website now. Thank you string i now have like an entire thing i can now read further on 
Yeah, he's like a really good for dirty people. And I really like his like writing style. For sure. I mean, he's got like comments galore. I think his blog, like an average gets like 400 comments per um, blog post. Yeah, he only releases like every once, every three months or every six months or something like that. Yeah, so he doesn't write unless he has something to say. Yeah, and but also like um, people religiously wait for his work. It's very much like me and um, Hardcore History, the podcast. Have you listened to it at all? No, but oh. I will now. Oh my God, it's such a good show. It's all about historical stuff, like, but from not theory, it's like accounts of historical data. Which I got is, to like listen to it. Oh man, I'm a huge nerd. I fucking love listening. It's like but each show like changes length. Some of the shows are like eight hours long. Some of them are only like an hour long. But whenever he releases these shows, they're like so incredibly well received. And I think um I think that's a credit to them being super authentic and understanding how to like um, engage an audience. Yeah, for sure. I I would entirely agree with that. It's one of those things that like people need to like get a better grip of finding their voice. And here's the thing when I say finding your voice, as someone that writes, believe it or not, my voice is better on video and in audio, which is why I have the podcast. Whereas there are other people I know that are incredible writers. Like, they can't speak worth a shit, but they, once you get them writing, oh, my God, it's like watching poetry unfold. Oh, and I think a lot of times, like, um, I think um, my energy frequency is better suited onto video because I get to share my personality and my yeah. energy better. And writing, I just happen to, like, develop over time. For some reason, it's just one of those ones where I just kept on honing and honing and honing and refining and I didn't give up. And then I just built up another skill set that I feel like I could add to my marketing skills. And I realized that not everyone has, um, I'm above average in writing, but my video is, uh, my video energy is like A grade at least. Yeah, no, I would agree with that one. You have great video energy. It's entirely true. Are you okay there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for you. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say something for a second. Like, no, you do have great energy on video. It's one of the things that very few people don't have. Um, and one of the questions I actually did want to ask you particularly about video is how do you actually know where the cutoff point is of what to say and what not to say? Because a lot of people, including myself, we get to a point and then we just start rambling and it's weird. Like I've learned to calm it down, but I, I ramble sometimes. Yeah, like when you don't want to ramble because like uh, video is a short term and it, it, unless you could maintain really good succinct things, but if you, it's almost like writing, right? You know that you have to edit out and it takes a bit of training to realize what you need and not what not to add and also learning to pause between things. But if you watch YouTube, you notice they don't pause. That's because they edit things out. <laughs> um and I feel like um, that's the case of um, when you do podcasts, at least you have some breathing space, but with video, it feels like you're just talking nonstop. And Very I think true. it's just because of the power of editing, right? They're yeah. able to edit it out. Curiously, what do you use for editing? Mm, like on, like, uh, let's see, 
ScreenFlow is what I use when I'm on Mac and I'm learning how to use like Blackmagic uh, DaVinci with, um, with my Windows right now. That makes sense. Mm. I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of ScreenFlow most of my career. Like I've used it since ScreenFlow 3 and now we're on ScreenFlow 9. Yeah, it, it actually, so much better. It is like I'm actually missing my MacBook because, like, once you get some so familiar with a tool, it gets really hard to like find other tools to suit your cadence and your speed. So I have to learn a new skill set, and it's a little bit slower now editing videos for me because I'm learning something new. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm actually looking at because I don't because I don't like editing. I tend not to edit. And that's actually part of my brand, if that makes sense. For like people listening yes. to the show, the most I do with these shows is I make sure that the audio background noise is removed as much as possible and it sounds clean. And then I just put it online. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, like Joe Rogan has pretty much don't edit his videos. He does not, no. But what they do is they actually curate and actually have a before and after. Like there's, there's a thing where Joe goes into that. Yeah, um, I think like he's like perfected like three-hour conversations of talking shit. Yeah, pretty much. It's crazy how well he does that, and that's actually where this show came from, by the way. Oh, well, like, like I love knowing that people, like, people have probably anal- analyzed his like content and format for so long, but I feel like he perfected the art of asking questions and making sure the conversation keeps on flowing. Oh, I agree without a doubt. And hopefully, uh, as a guest on my show, you can tell me whether or not I do this after the after the fact. But that is genuinely the whole purpose of why I ask the questions I do when I do these shows. I never once, I don't like sending um, people. Uh, yeah, ahead of time. It really bugs me. I'm like, guys, it's known as a conversation. Like, I, it's not like you call up your friend and be like, I have these nine things I want to talk about with my friend. And that's all I'm going to talk to them about. Oh, well, like, um, I noticed, like, when I jump onto, like, newbies, they always ask me questions and they're really boring. Yeah, they really are. I had so I had an interview not too long ago where I actually had to stop the interview and say, dude, you need to do a couple of interviews before um, you actually do this. Like, yeah. Speaking of which, like, um, one person missed out on the, the meeting with me. And usually I give, like, one or two chances, but... I feel like um, it's not that I think of myself highly, but you have to respect people's time. If they allocate time for you and you rock up late for your own show, then you miss that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are times that I've done that. Um, there are also times where I've, and I will put my hands up, there are times that I legitimately did not know I had a show that day. And I get like a call 20 minutes later or an hour later going, okay, so I guess we're not doing this then. I'm like, uh, what are we not doing? What's happening? Hmm. <laughs> and I think like that being apologetic is great and stuff, um, that it happens as well, but just be mindful of like, um, of people's time as well. Cause they follow up on you and you ha- if you have like a existing working relationship or um, existing relationship, they probably give you some slack cause they probably love you and adore you. Yes. Um, but it just be mindful of like, you know, like sometimes you could have the best conversations with amazing people if you just value people's and respect people's time. 
Agreed. Though I was going to say, you can't all be adorable and as cute as me or string. So really, you know, sometimes you can't push it. But you can get away with stuff with um, how things are. Like, for instance, I've had it with a friend of mine. We've tried to do the podcast, like the second part of our interview, for literally two months now. Um, but there's no drama between us. Like, we literally had such a great first go of it that we've just been so busy with everything kicking off in the world that we've literally said to each other, we need to find time to finish that podcast. And it's not even a case of I'm busy. What wasn't on my diary. I'm mad at you. I'm never going to do this show with you. It's always a case of, Oh shit, that's today. Or, Oh no, I didn't realize. Or my assistant didn't put that on the calendar or whatever reason for one of us actually forgetting to do the show that day. And it's always like, cool, we'll just rebook and keep going. And that's more or less how you have your friendships. But this is what I'm saying. That is not the commonality of how I do my shows. Whenever I get a client on, we go through a booking link. We make sure that things are taken care of. And I just need them to show up on time. If they show up on time, I'm happy. And if I've got a calendar reminder, I'm also happy. Because it means I can show up on time. And it's also a case like... It sounds like it's a running joke between you and your friend now that you're missing this thing. So I feel like that's like a running joke for you and that person now. Oh, for sure. It's like a thing we rip each other on all the time. That amongst all the other jokes, because he's uh, he's slightly older than I am, but we are so very similar in personality, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I think the best uh, the best quote I said to him, for me at least, was telling him that like people couldn't see it because we were on video. I was like, this dude is like a lion and I am not nervous about it. It's almost like if we were both sat in a room and shit kicked off, he'd be the one guy I'd be looking over the corner at and going, are you on my side or are you against me? Because if you're against me, fuck. If you're on the same side of me, we're fine. (laughs) And like, it's just a memorable conversation of friends. Um, that being said, however, one thing I did want to ask you specifically is introducing your nerdiness or your self-natural nerdiness to your audience because some people are still very straight-laced and they're looking for a way to break free from that professional mold to actually show who they really are, which is this fun-loving human that everyone gets on with. Like, how would they go about transitioning because that is something that's that? Well, like, I think probably my biggest strength is that I know who I am as a person and I had to embrace my nerdiness from a very like young age. And I realized that I was super curious um, and I just followed that curiosity. And, but I kind of knew that I wasn't suited for the nine to five job. So I created my own path. And because of that, I was able to travel around the world, hang out with ideal. Uh, like we haven't even met, but I feel like we are already friends and stuff. Oh, for sure. Like hands down, you're one of those people that if you fly over to London, you already have a place to stay. Like it's, there's a place, there's a Susie room with all the stuff that she needs and some fried chicken. And, um, and that's probably one of the things that I realized is that I cultivated a um, nerdiness for, and I really, it's, you call it nerdiness, but I just call it curiosity. But I am really curious about the way the world works how things happened, like, and when I get into something, I want to know a lot about it as much as I can. Like, I didn't even know what Bitcoin is, but I, I remember like going on a deep rabbit hole dive about Bitcoin. Yep. And then what I did was instead of like researching on YouTube or 
going online, I went and asked the smartest person that I know in my network. <laughs> and wow. that's just me. Like, like I learned by talking to people and having conversations with them. And then what they did, they kept on opening more doors for me to access this information. All I did was like follow my curiosity. And also like, I remember like following my curiosity and it also turned like, you know, negative in terms of opportunities that like people leverage on my naivety or my curiosity, but that made for a good story too. So that's how I like that. I'm an optimist, practical person. And, but like, I'm super nerdy. Like um, I remember like going through spreadsheets. I hate finance, but I became to enjoy spreadsheets. Like who does that? Nerd. And um, I am a total nerd. Um, and I, and I pretty much like made sure that I hang out with people who have pretty much the same values that I have, which is, uh, they love what they do and they're super nerds about something. I agree. We really are nerdy. And it's something that, like, you know, all my nerdy shit anyway. You've seen my nerddom. It, it just plays itself out everywhere. My curiosity. Yes, then, one of the, my curiosity, one of my favorite nerdy things is I love reading, um, which is funny because I'm dyslexic. So I actually prefer audiobooks, but I have a shitload of books in the house. I actually counted because I moved around a year ago and I counted out all my books quite recently. I've got like 700 in the house. It's quite a lot of books. I know. I have like a library. I'm like, what the fuck? How do I have so many books? But like, it's just quite funny because they don't look like a lot of books. And then you count them. You're like, there are so many fucking books here. So well, no, you have like three or four shelves of like books. I just saw your wall of it. Oh yeah, that's just like four shelves of the books that I have in physical print that aren't in boxes. There are more boxes. There are more books in boxes downstairs. Wow, amazing! Yeah, I, I like learning. I like keeping my brain active. Now that being said, however, I do want to ask you because um, I do know you're a bit of a nerd, like I am. What would be like five books that you'd recommend everyone read, and then what are five movies or TV shows that you recommend everyone watch? And well, that like that's really... fictional or non-fiction. Um, so I think Bitcoin, like um, the white paper of Bitcoin by, you know, Satoshi is really important because okay, um, that kind of like, oh, because it's about cryptocurrency and it's like the the Bible of okay. cryptocurrency, and people need to know what Bitcoin is before they understand how to like use it. And it, you know, it's an introduction to blockchain. Um, second book, uh, what book that I recommend? You know, I haven't read a book for a while now because I've been just been consuming it online. Okay, but, well, let's let's switch out the concept then. What would be what? You, what have you been consuming online that you recommend recommend everyone oh, yeah. else should consume? Wait, but why is a good one. Great, great blog right now. I'm hooked on it. Damn it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Ahref has a really good blog writing on how to learn about how to write blogs for business that converts. Really? So I probably should send you that link. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Please send me all the links to these when after the show. Yeah, and and I was about to ask, like, you should send me stuff about sales copy because I realize sales copy is totally different from blog writing. Oh, massively. There's a huge difference, but like. So one of the places that I learned from was John Carlton's blog. So john-carlton.com. Um, he's got like archives of copy. If you go back far enough, you'll see comments from me on there. Um, Cause I've been a fan of his blog for like well near 12 years. Mm -hmm. 
So that's like value-based lead, like readership. You just got me that hooked. But no, please continue. Yeah. I'm going to shut up and let you just run through your list because um, there's incredible stuff in there that I want to take note of. Uh, Paul Graham, he's like the, probably like the founder of YC and he has just like an amazing, the shittiest website ever, but it's like one of those archaic um, websites. Um, but it, it has a, like a knowledge bank of all his, like archives of his, all his knowledge and thinking about entrepreneurship, about technology and venture capitalism and startups. So he's worth checking out. So those are like probably like uh, three or four things that I like recommend that you should check out and everyone check out. Agreed. I'm actually now looking for that Ahrefs thing because I love it. Um, I think Moz.com, well, actually they won't actually be doing it right now by the time the show comes out. But I do want to actually have a look at like the stuff from Ahrefs because there there is um, so something that, by the time the show comes out should have happened is I actually was putting together a note taking crew that could take notes for me so I can actually go put things together. Um, and that alone, like there's so much SEO content on there like, and blog writing yeah. and stuff. So like, it's good to have someone else go through the stuff for me and send me the cliff notes. Yeah. Um, and also like Moz, like Ahref like, is like five hours of content. And Moz is like also giving you a free, like, because, um, like, you know, the situation with uh, coronavirus, like, a lot of people are giving away their blogs for free now just to provide value. Yeah. But I was going to say, by the time the show comes out, it might have already passed. That's why. Well, like, I feel like there could be some economic factors that will play into this because, like, um, 10 Massive. million US uh, Americans have lost their jobs in the last, like, couple of weeks. Um, the unemployment rate has actually gotten insane. Yeah, and it kind of shows like um, like maybe people will go back into rural living if the internet is really good, um, because they don't need to spend so much or live so close in density in the cities anymore. Yeah. Anyway, true. That's just the economic kind of factor things that I feel like is resetting right now. Um, movie wise, like mm, I recommend watching like Inception is probably my favorite in terms of like going in deep dive um blade runner the original mm-hmm. Classic. Um, uh, um, uh, emily is the one that i recommend it's a french romance a fantasy great movie. great movie yeah pan pan's Lambreth is another good one that freaks um, me out the dude with like, eyes on his hands yeah, yeah i know but i know i know that i know what you mean and uh parasite Have you seen that South Korean movie yet? No, it's on my list. You have to watch it. Like I'm more into foreign films than I realize now. Just lining those movies up. Yeah, that makes sense because foreign movies are actually quite nice. I love them. They're quite good. Old Boy is still one of my favorites. Oh my god, I was about to say that, and also. Um, Animation Lewis. movies by Ghibli Studios is like my favorite yeah. as well. Studio Ghibli is amazing. I was going to say, I have a whole thing with old boy. Spike Lee tried to make a remake version with... Uh, you didn't work, that, did it? it? No, it was so fucking terrible. It doesn't work. Yeah. Work. If a Westerner makes it, it doesn't make sense because it, it plays with a lot of psychological toys Yeah, that the West just doesn't understand. Whereas like... Um, it was it Tartan <clears throat> Tartan films that actually came out, came out with it, I think it was Old Boy is legit like 
granted the way I found out about that movie was not in the best circumstances. Um, do you remember there was a, it was like one of the big mass shootings in the two thousands of a school shoot. I think it was Virginia tech. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. They said that the guy that basically went on a killing spree was saying, um, the old boy was the movie that in- influenced him to do so. So obviously my brain being a 17 year old at the time, I was like, fuck it. I want to go watch this movie. So I found, a, I found it a, kind of doesn't really, it doesn't talk it about doesn't school. Really. Fuck all. It's no, basically all. He, he posed with one of the same photos is basically what they did was they found a photo of him making a pose the same in that movie. And they equated the two together, which is really dumb uh, with very little research. Yeah. But the upside is, I got to watch Old Boy, and now it's one of my all-time favorite movies. So I'm never. A lot of my friends, I recommend that movie to a lot of my friends, and therefore I was fucked up. (laughs) It is a fucked up movie. It's the. the, Have you seen the trilogy though? There's a there's a vengeance movie trilogy that ties into two other movies. Um, not yet. Like, like I just like Old Boy because it's really just a classic, and it's just unexpected. It's like Sixth Sense. Like you didn't expect that ending, right? Mm. And Old Boy had that ending. It's like whoa. But it's just like the the level of revenge and the it's just like the way it's structured and the way it's set up it was amazing. Yeah, it's such a good fucking show, a movie. Like it's so good. Um, so that's a recommendation for all you guys out there that are listening in. Um, that being said, I will say is that do you have actually one of my favorite questions I want to ask you specifically because I'm very curious on how you deal with this like when life kicks you in the nuts and everything just seems like it's failing and coming to a tumbling crash, how do you keep a positive mindset during all of that? And more importantly, how do you recover and regain your confidence? Um, so I know that when I'm like um, not dealing with the world is when I don't sleep or I sleep too much. So that's like my first sign that I'm like dealing with the shit that's happening outside of me. And with the, particularly this current climate and I'm just going to say that COVID-19 is, it's pretty much like, I just feel like the energy or the frequency of the world is really messed up right now. And people are pretty much more lost than usual. But mm-hmm. I think the simple exercise that I've done now is like I walk forward. Like I just have a walk now, like a half an hour walk, an hour walk. And I feel like that action of me just moving forward um, gives away the tension, but it feels like I'm also having fresh air, but also getting outside the house sometimes, right? So just moving forward, walking forward is a simple action of like I'm moving ahead. And it's so simple, but I feel like that's the most effective one so far for me. Because even I go meditation and I think a lot, but sometimes I feel like um, there's too much in my head that needs to be done. So I just started walking more. You know what? That is something that is so true. It's uh, a friend of mine. I was talking to them and they said to me that they hated walking before. And now they can't not, they can't go a day without walking for 30 minutes at the very minimum. Like just going for that walk clears my head so much. Oh my, that's incredible. Like for me personally, I don't like going outside without my headphones partially because I like music, but, or an audiobook or something like that. But the other reason, honestly, is because I just don't like talking to people on my walks. Like whenever I go for a walk, it's like I don't want to be a like I don't want other people to I don't want to hear other people. Oh uh, yeah, like um I'm I live in a pretty quiet neighborhood. Lucky. Um, so that helps. I don't have that. 
Yeah, and I see what you mean because sometimes like dealing with people is not worth it sometimes and I totally get that um, because like that's what I mean like the disadvantages of like living in density is because like you're always, there's no privacy. Agreed. There really, like sometimes there really isn't. A friend of mine has to like, so my place we have to have frosted windows on the back just simply because uh, there was a thing when they first built this place, which is really annoying. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I forget, like, sometimes, like, we live in density cities. Like, what else can we do to feel like we get out of it? But I feel like we're so addicted to our phones, or it's just an excuse to not have internal conversations with ourselves. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. We're so external that we don't have the internal conversation. And that's probably why, like, um, there's an increase of depression and there's a need. And plus, because we don't know how to process our, the way we do things. Like, it, or at the moment, I feel like everyone's grieving or don't know how to process this mess. So they're just, like, feeling angry, stressed out, anxious, all these little feelings. But they don't know how to process these feelings. Yeah. And they feel ashamed to feel these feelings when it, actually the, what they're feeling is very normal. Yeah, I can imagine. That is very, very true as well. It's just about keeping calm in situations. I've actually found that is like genuinely. My brain is actually like spinning right now and I hate you for it because like my brain is now thinking of like 16 different things that it wants to do that like based on this conversation that we've had. Yes. Damn it. It's like, how do I keep my mind cool? I'll do all these things and do I need to go for a walk? Yes, I do. But anyway, Susie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show here, string as we will. Um, guys, please go check out the trustedvoice.co. It is a growing community. Susie is a badass of a leader, and please connect with her on um, on LinkedIn. She's just brilliant. And you have a do you have a YouTube channel now or no? Well, yeah, I do, and I'm still like playing around with it, but. Connect with me on YouTube.com. And I feel like once I crack that nut, I'm going to grow rapidly. I think you will. And I can definitely help you with that. What's, uh, what's your YouTube handle? YouTube.com slash string story. I'm string story everywhere. That's true. You are. All right, guys, please go check out string. She's amazing. You can find her literally everywhere. It's string Nguyen on, um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. You'll find her on there. I'll speak to you real soon, guys. Have an amazing, uh, have an actually amazing weekend. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And I appreciate you guys being here as well as you, String. Thank you for doing this today.